it was hard. I was halfway up thinking I was going to die. My hands were going to fall off. My feet were like jello. My legs were like wobbly. Hey guys, I'm Carrie Klein. And I'm Ezra David Romero. This is Outdoorsy, a podcast from Valley Public Radio. We take you to wild places in Central California and introduce you to the people who explore them. Springtime's here, and it's a perfect time to get outdoors. There are, of course, lots of fun things to do this time of year, but one specific sport is attracting locals out to rock faces everywhere. In today's episode, we focus on that activity and especially on safety. We're talking about rock climbing, which may sound intimidating, but when done right, is actually very safe. Okay, I've been a few times and I don't like it at all. It freaks me out every time I do it. But me, I love rock climbing. I've been climbing off and on for about 10 years, and it's really my favorite way to exercise and build strength. Today, we'll talk about climbing basics and one specific critter that could really ruin your climbing trip. Plus, we'll talk to a local climber with a very unusual reason for getting into the sport. Central California is a great place to live if you're into climbing rocks. So we decided to learn how. I went to Metalmark, our local climbing gym, and since Carrie's a regular climber, our intern Laura Sutsui joined me instead. Hey, Laura. Hey, guys. So this was my first time climbing. I was pretty nervous because I don't love heights, but I do like trying new things. And it still sounded like a lot of fun, so I tagged along. We met Daniel Suvanto at Metalmark. He's an avid climber and works there. I think Central California climbing is, I think it's awesome. Fresno and the surrounding areas is like one of the best places to live if you're a climber, I think. Once you kind of put your time in in the gym, you can move to tons of different areas in the surrounding mountains. Areas like Toll House, Shut Eye Ridge near Bass Lake, the Tehachapi Mountains, Joshua Tree in the Eastern Sierra, and one of the original climbing meccas, Yosemite Valley. When I think of rock climbing, I remember my first trip up near Hume Lake in the Sierra. I was freaked out and had a terrible time coming down the incline. Looking back, I should have started in a gym with help from someone like Daniel. Daniel says there are lots of ways to get started climbing, beginning with one that requires hardly any gear. The smallest one would be bouldering. So what bouldering involves is basically you, your shoes, your chalk bag, and then a crash pad. And what you're doing is you're climbing up this little a boulder. And the boulders can range from anywhere from 6 feet to 30 feet tall. And they're really hard moves. A lot of times they're overhung. But that's kind of the sport of bouldering. Climbers use chalk to get a better grip on the rock. And they lay down crash pads in case they fall. A crash pad is basically thick foam covered in fabric. But when you think rock climbing, you may think of people dangling on ropes. That's the next level up from bouldering. The easiest is called top roping, which is where the rope is already set up for you and anchored at the top of the route. Climbing routes are specific paths up rock faces, and they're graded based on how difficult they are. And then there is sport or lead climbing, where you clip the rope to carabiners that are already attached to the wall. Carabiners are metal clips that can hold the rope and your weight. The next step up from that would be something called trad climbing or traditional climbing. You're climbing up and you're putting equipment into a crack or you're wrapping a sling or a piece of rope around a, a tree and you're actually creating your own protection as you climb up. There's another type where you're not really climbing the rock, but your equipment. As you move up a rock face, you take your equipment with you. It sounds difficult and time-consuming. And then there's the most extreme type of rock climbing. It's called free soloing, where there's no ropes at all, just chalk and your body. 
It's what Tom Cruise was doing in the opening scene of Mission Impossible 2. So when my mom sees that kind of stuff on TV and she thinks that's what I do, I try to tell her, like, no, I'm actually using a rope and being totally safe with it. So if you're a newbie, what do you need to get started? Daniel says all you really need is chalk, shoes, and a harness. All this can cost about $200, or you can just rent it at Metal Mark when you take a beginner class or try it with friends. A basic membership runs about $60 a month and includes free beginner courses. When you climb on your own outdoors, you'll also need ropes, a helmet, and things like carabiners. So we decided to give a beginner route a shot, and we learned how to use all this equipment. Climbing shoes look like a hybrid jogging shoe and a ballet slipper with a slick rubber sole hugging the arch of your foot. Daniel says they should be tight with your toes touching the tip of the shoe. How are we feeling? So pretty snug. Snug would be the perfect word. That's the word I want. Next up, I put on a harness that wraps around my waist and legs with lots of loops for carabiners and my rope to tie into. I loop one end of the rope into my harness and Daniel ties the other end into his. He'll be belaying me, which means he's in charge of the rope. He'll be able to stop the rope if I fall. But before I get on the wall, Daniel does a quick safety check. So really important in climbing is making sure that we check each other. Okay. Um, so I can check your harness and I can see that everything is clipped up. I can see that you're double backed. Okay. You're going to do the same to me. You're double backed. I'm double backed as well. Everything looks Everything looks nothing's fine. Nothing's hanging out. Daniel makes sure we've both tied the proper knots and he checks that his belay device is locked. All this is important so that nothing goes wrong. I'm all ready. I'm locked up. Are you on belay? I am on belay. Laura's about to climb a 50-foot gray wall covered with multicolored pieces of plastic she'll grab and step on to reach the top. They come in lots of different shapes and sizes, and some are easier to grab than others. This everything thing yeah, is, like, really so intimidating. Harder, huh? So remember, yeah, stand up on that left foot. Awesome. Oh, my God. That's the hardest part right there. Like I said, I don't love heights, so not looking down was really key for me. Despite feeling kind of scared, it was so satisfying to touch the top and realize I just scaled this wall with my own body strength. When I got to the top, I laid back and got ready to come down. All right, I got you. Good job. All right, coming down. Daniel runs the rope through a piece of equipment attached to his harness that controls how fast Laura comes down. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that was way harder. Awesome. There were moments when I was like, I need to hold with my hands so hard. Like, my hands feel like they're cramping right now. The first time you don't realize, you don't necessarily need to, like, break the rocks. So you can hold on a little bit little bit less hard. I think that's the thing is I'm, like, if I'm not on the ground, solid ground, I'm, I'm afraid that, like, my, my legs aren't doing yeah. anything for me. It was a lot of fun, and I think I'm going to go back and try climbing other routes. Daniel says anytime. It's so much fun. Like, it's, you get all the benefits of working out. Um, You get all the benefits of a community, and it's all just in the name of fun. Like, everyone's just here to have a good time. So you have your climbing shoes, ropes, carabiners, chalk, all of that. But one major safety aspect that we haven't mentioned is protection against what lives outdoors. We're not talking about bears, which are around but are unlikely to attack, but about another creature that may present a little more of a threat. Ezra went out to learn about it. Imagine you're climbing a series of boulders. As you reach up over the last ledge, your fingers don't feel rock. You feel something scaly, and then you hear that iconic rattle. Rattlesnakes. Mark Halverson knows a lot about rattlesnakes. He's the Fresno Chaffee Zoo curator of reptiles. That is one sweet job title. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Once you're outside of town on your trails and you're heading out rock climbing, there's a pretty good chance that there's going to be some rattlesnakes around. 
In addition, rattlesnakes like to spend time in and around rock clusters because that's where they'll overwinter. So in the spring and in early summer is when they're starting to come out of those areas, so they tend to concentrate near that spot and then spread out from there. You know, Ezra, I've actually never seen a rattlesnake. Really? I've seen plenty. You know, growing up in the Central Valley, I've seen so many rattlesnakes on the farm, on trails in the mountains, and dead on the highway. But today was the first day I've seen one up close. Well, behind the glass enclosure at the zoo. (laughs) A rattlesnake bite is a life-threatening emergency. That being said, being bitten by a rattlesnake does not condemn you to die immediately. You have several hours before you have any major problems. Mark says this is the time of year that rattlesnakes come out of hiding and are on the lookout for food, like rodents. Snakes don't hibernate, but since they're cold-blooded, they do take it easy for the winter, and they get hungrier and more active when the weather warms up. That's great for these northern Pacific rattlesnakes, but not for humans on outdoor adventures. Rattlesnakes like to sit and wait for prey to come along. So they'll be in the high grass or near logs and rock piles and things like that. So if you're approaching those things, don't put your hands or your legs in places you can't see. You don't know if there's anything there. Mark says rattlesnakes don't want to bite you and use their rattle as a warning system. The rattle is made of a series of hollow segments made out of a stiff material called keratin that they shake together by vibrating their tails. Baby rattlesnakes are born with a button every time they shed a new segment is added. If I didn't know better, I'd actually say that sounds kind of cute. They're low-key. I mean, they, they rattle to let you know, and their last defense, the last you know thing they're ever going to try to do is bite because they've invested an incredible amount of energy out of their body to create this venom, which is extre- essential to their diet. They need to be able to bite this animal and start the digestive process and also to debilitate it. Why would they want to waste that? They're going to rattle let you know they're there. And if you continue to press, they're going to try to move away. But if you keep pressing them and try to pick them up, they're probably going to try to turn around and bite them. But what if the worst happens while rock climbing and a rattlesnake's fangs sink into your skin? What do you do? Mark has the answer. If you are unfortunate enough to actually get bitten by a rattlesnake, number one, hopefully you have a friend nearby and make it easy on you. If you don't, it can happen. Just remain calm. There are a lot of stories that say suck out the venom or electrify it with a battery or something or use a tourniquet to close off the area. You don't want to do that. You kind of just want to stay calm, start getting out of there, get some immediate medical help, call 911, get someone out to help you. So aren't dogs also at risk of rattlesnake bites? Yeah, totally. Mark says there are trainings for dogs to go through to become rattlesnake averse. Plus, there's a rattlesnake vaccine you can get for your dog at your local vet. It helps slow down the spread of venom in the body. He says there already have been several rattlesnake bites in the Fresno area this spring. But he says the best way to avoid a rattlesnake bite is to give the reptiles their space. The vast majority of bites that happen in any given year are either children who are just kind of running around rampant and, and get exposed or someone who's trying to pick up or kill a rattlesnake. They'll either try to chop off the head and then try to pick up the animal. And actually, they still have a, a reflex reaction where they can still bite. The best answer is just leave rattlesnakes alone. Safety is no joke while climbing. Rattlesnakes are a big deal, but it's also critical to take care of your equipment and go over all the safety checks Daniel and Laura talked about earlier. If you don't, things can go south. That's something Stacey Byers-Richardson knows well. I went climbing in Yosemite earlier this spring with her and a few of her friends. My turn. You're up. Okay. Stacy is 51. She started climbing just two years ago, and she's a really strong climber, a lot better than I am. Really? She sounds like a pretty unusual climber. Yeah, and she'll be the first one to tell you that. But it's not how well Stacy climbs that makes her story extraordinary. It's why she climbs. 
It has to do with their son, Cody, who was climbing in Yosemite two years ago. He was on Royal Arches for at least the fifth time. Um, he was doing uh, 17 pitches, and they were rappelling down, ledge to ledge to ledge, and he didn't tie his knot at the end of the rappel rope. Cody fell a few hundred feet and died. So it slipped through, and the last thing Eric said he ever heard was, <gasps> While this is sort of a cautionary tale, it's really a story about a mother, her son, and the community that came together around his death. All of my rock climber friends say they love the community that comes with rock climbing, almost more than the sport itself. Stacy started climbing after Cody died in order to be closer to him. Just to figure out what made him tick. It's now an intrinsic part of her life, just like it was for him. I mean, he lived, breathed, and ate climbing. He was, he was passionate more than anything. He'd go to bed thinking about it. He'd get up thinking about it. He'd ride 20 miles on a bicycle to go to work and then go to the gym after. I'm like, that's some dedication. When you get to be that good, that's when autopilot can kick in and you overlook or forget your safety precautions. Is that what happened to Cody? Yeah, one knot would have saved his life. I get angry with him knowing how we passed was such an easy thing. It was just tying of a knot at the bottom of his rappel rope. So every time I rappel, I curse at him. In my head thinking, all you had to do was tie your knot. That's it. Cody was 24 years old, still finding his way in life. He grew up in Fresno, Stacy's only child. He was a great kid. He was him and I against the world his whole life. So I was mom and dad. He, uh, he wanted to go to the Army after high school to see what the world had to offer, travel the world, he thought, and then he hated it, hated it from day one. So he did 555 days, and he was honorably discharged. Then he came home, got into climbing, and the rest is history. When Cody died, Stacy didn't know anything about climbing. That part of Cody's life was a total black box to her. But once he was gone, it took only four days for Stacy to finally set foot in the gym. It was awe-inspiring because I'm like, whoa, never had I been in a gym. It was too overweight to even think about climbing. Suddenly, she was thinking about it. She introduced herself to Cody's friends, and they convinced her to try out a beginner climb. The same one Laura climbed last week. Oh, it was hard. It was the 5657 five, on the lead wall. Easiest route in the gym. I was halfway up thinking I was going to die. My hands were going to fall off. My feet were like jello. My legs were like wobbly. It's pretty hilarious compared to what I am now. How'd Stacy get to where she is now? Isn't there a real learning curve? There is, but Stacy's determined. That first time, she could only climb one route before getting tired out. But now, she climbs a few times a week, five or ten routes in a session, and they're way beyond that easy route. She also takes a lot of fitness classes. I lost 35 pounds, and uh, it just kind of melted off, and now I've kept it off for two years and gotten the best, literally the best shape of my life. Come on, you got it. I got you. Stacy's more social now, too. Cody's friends are now her friends. Come on, keep your core tight. They climb together, they've spread his ashes together, and they always round out a day in Yosemite with an Oreo milkshake from Robert's Frosty and Coarse Gold, his favorite. Nice, Stacy. When some of Stacy's new friends told her they weren't sure they could climb again after the accident, she had none of it. And I said, no, Cody would be pissed at you if you didn't climb again. You have to climb. I said, Cody would be so mad and give you guys such grief, so you have to. So they did. They got back on the horse. So Daniel was right. Climbers form a really tight community. Totally. And for two years, they've all been helping each other to heal communally. This mother who lost her 24-year-old son is the one telling his friends to pick themselves back up. And in turn, they adopted her, welcoming her into their fray and sharing stories about Cody. Cody's friends, I inherited the best people in the world. They literally saved my life. And that's the honest to God truth. I've turned the most negative thing any parent could ever imagine into the greatest thing. 
She says you can't let yourself be paralyzed with fear. It's not sketch. It's, uh, I think, one of the safer things you can do, especially if you have the right people with you. The right gear, the right attitude, the right place, right time, right people. Now, Stacy says she's kind of like the gym mom. And Ezra, she does still get to be a mom in real life, too. About two years before Cody passed away, a son Stacy had given up for adoption decades ago did some sleuthing and found her and Cody online. They reconnected. They get along. And now Stacy has a granddaughter. Being called grandma is the best, the absolute best. And I never thought I'd be a grandma, ever. Because I didn't think Cody would have a kid. And if he did, it would be a long time from now. So having Macy is a, a blessing. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. Although none of this replaces Cody. Nothing can. But it gives Stacy satisfaction to know she's doing as much as she can with the memories, the friends, and the climbing shoes Cody left behind. And that's today's show. Check out the website for lots of great photos. I'm in there too. Share a picture of your trip rock climbing on Instagram or Twitter. We're at OutdoorsyPod on both. Our editor is Joe Moore, and we had engineering help from Don Weaver. Our music is by Kevin McLeod and Ben Sound. Stay tuned for future shows when we visit other wild places and interview the people who love them. For Outdoorsy, I'm Carrie Klein. I'm Laura Satsui. And I'm Ezra David Romero. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.